Hey guys, welcome to the fifth podcast of Comic Book Debate. I'm your host and editor-in-chief, Shiraz Faruqi, and I'm joined by my brother, Zayan. What's up, guys? My cousin, Umar. Hey, everyone. And my other cousin, Samir. What's up? So, you know, we just, four, all four of us came out of Infinity War, and, uh, you know, I got a chance to see it uh, on Monday uh, at a press screening, and uh, I swear to you guys, you know, my three bros, they... Pretty much boycotted me for the whole week until it was time to see it again. And then myself and Zayan uh, just saw it uh, Thursday evening. And then Umar and Samir saw it uh, Friday evening. So now it's basically the first chance we're getting to uh, really sit down and discuss uh, our thoughts on the film. So, you know, without uh, further ado, let's pass it over to Zayan. And guys, just before we get into this discussion about Avengers Infinity War, I just want to... Uh, warn everyone that uh, this podcast will go into spoiler territory. We'll be thoroughly discussing the film and everything that happens in it. So if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War yet, I highly recommend you go see it and listen to this podcast because uh, we will be getting into spoilers. Yeah, I thought the film was amazing from beginning to end. I mean, they handled all the characters really well, all the interactions, you know. The chemistry felt really good, really natural. Um, they took a lot of... They kept their... They kept that feeling that Marvel movies have, but also took that risk that made this film really stand out. Dude, that was an insane roller coaster. It was it was crazy. Like from the first, who's laughing? Who's laughing right now? Why is everything a roller coaster? <laughs> Dude, this actually is a roller coaster. So you want to mute yourself real quick? Have you been a roller coaster? <laughs> All right, ready to go. Me for a minute. I thought you didn't say roller coaster of emotions. He just said roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> that was from start to finish one of the best movies probably we've ever seen. Um, in my opinion, it's probably the best movie, best Marvel movie. Uh, I thought it was great. It had a great uh, balance of emotions and humor. Um, so the villain was great and had a great cliffhanger at the end. I think Marvel has done good so far in the year. They just started. Twenty eighteen just started. They already released Black Panther, and now this, and I can't wait till the next one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I totally agree there. And, you know, there's so much to dissect when it comes to this film. And uh, my own thoughts personally, you know, you can catch my review on comicbookdebate.com. But, you know, one of the things that uh, I mentioned in my review is that this is probably the most ambitious Marvel movie they've ever made, you know. And uh, it's right up there with Winter Soldier and Black Panther in terms of that top echelon of Marvel entertainment. But, you know, this film in particular, I mean, uh, and we'll get into it as we go through specific moments in the film, but it went there, you know, it didn't pull back any punches and uh, it, when it got serious, it got extremely serious and when it needed to be dark, it got extremely dark and uh, that's why the film, I think, resonates with so many people and even and on, on a lesser scale, it's even divisive among some fans, it's because of how different it is. I mean, this does not follow the classic Marvel formula now while i think zion pointed out earlier uh they do keep some of their marvel humor they have their charm that made them so famous over the last 10 years but what made infinity war special and that's you know kudos to the russo brothers that they did not hold back any punches and they got serious and they defied the tropes and one of the main tropes is that weaker villain that marvel has sometimes uh fallen into you know uh, i think in the 18 films 19 including infinity war uh, I think half of the half or more of the villains are pretty subpar, and the, when you see a top level villain like Thanos, uh, he was just on another level. And I'm gonna pass it over to Zion and tell me about what your thoughts on Thanos was in this movie. 
Yeah, I think Thanos is easily one of the, if not the best MCU villain we've had. I mean, it's between him and Killmonger. Um, they really fleshed out his character, you know. You could even say that he might have been the main character of Infinity War. They really gave him a good motivation, you know. And uh, he was just uh, not relatable, but they they allowed you to see his side, his point of view, that what he's trying to do is he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's giving mercy to the universe. He's saving the universe, and he's the only one willing to really go take that next step that others might not be able to. I mean, I like how in this movie is like one of the few movies where the villain actually wins. And I like how Thanos had, had he also had a, a very wide range of emotions. He was, he's not just like a one-dimensional character like in other Marvel movies or even like all comic book, movie, all comic book movies. That's why he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Um, jumping off uh, what Samir and Jan said, they did ground him like his backstory is they show a few things about him that kind of uh make him i don't know what the right word would be it wouldn't be relatable the guy wants to commit genocide but it just makes it it shows you where he is coming from but on top of that um you know his backstory especially when you talk about how a conflict was presented to him he found a solution um, and he wants to superimpose that solution on the whole universe, and that's kind of um, amazing. He's and and just the sheer brutality. I mean, in the first minute of the movie, he destroys the Hulk, and then he kills Loki. Yeah. Um, so just the introduction is so is so crazy that like they're telling you the first few minutes tell you that this guy is not playing around. So when you just put all that together it's 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 definitely one of the best films ever. and and you're just jumping off your point i mean you see the difference between a great villain a good villain and a poor villain because thanos like you said like you see you, again you don't you don't uh, relate to him but in a sense you see his point of view and you can uh, empathize with at least one part of his uh goal which is he doesn't want to destroy and kill for the sake of killing he has what in his mind, no matter how twisted that goal is, he has what in his mind is the right thing to do. And you can draw a parallel to that to a character like Zod from Man of Steel or Ra's al Ghul from uh, Batman Begins. Like These are characters who don't necessarily uh, think what they're doing is evil. And then when you compare that to, let's say, like Steppenwolf, right? And like... <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, as far as alien invasions go, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as alien invasions go, you know, you could have a generic alien invasion like Justice League presented. And, you know, and the funny thing is with a guy like Steppenwolf, if you gave him 15 minutes of fleshing out and showing why he's doing this, like, as we know, like, they there was hints that he maybe is doing something like he's a broken and weary uh, war general of Darkseid, but they never got into that. And that's why he ends up becoming... A generic sci-fi yeah, villain, like a flat character. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, just to put it plainly, he was trash, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but going back to Thanos and reason why a guy like Thanos or Zod or Killmonger, these characters are so compelling is because uh, they don't realize what they're doing is wrong. They think they're doing a service, and in terms of uh, for Than for let's say for Zod, that service was he wanted to save his people, and for Thanos, it he wants to bring humanity he wants to give all of humanity in the universe uh a better life and to give that better life 
he has to uh, kill half the population. So that's basically the route they went with Thanos' character. And just to spear point another thing that Umar said, I mean, that first few minutes of Infinity War, you right away get that feeling that this is going to be a brutal movie. Because you kill Heimdall, you beat the hell out of the Hulk, and then you kill Loki in a very, in probably the most brutal death of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where basically... That, that, that made me cringe. Like, the yeah. way he holds him in the air, and it's like, he's just holding him like a... I don't know, that was yeah. that was pretty dark. That was pretty dark. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just from the get-go, you can see that this... The way they showed it, the graphic nature of it, I mean, you could tell that this... This film is going to be totally different than the previous yeah. Marvel film. <laughs> yeah. I was so shook. It was, it was a pretty gruesome death. Good. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, like, that's how you start a movie, and uh, that shows, you know, how powerful the movie's going to be, because you right away know that, wait a minute, this is not my standard Marvel movie. You're not starting with 20 jokes. And, again, while there is going to be jokes, but as we get into the first act and you see uh, Doctor Strange uh, uh, meet Tony and recruit him and they discuss the incoming threat, that's where they kind of piled in as many jokes as they can. Because the second you start getting into the real crux of the movie, the jokes don't really stay that long because then you start getting into much more serious territory. But speaking on like all these characters that the Russos are juggling, because you're basically juggling the entire Avengers... Uh, minus Ant-Man and Hawkeye. You're juggling the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, as well as like a lot of smaller characters here and there. So let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy really quick. So, I mean, this mini-franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's pretty, you know, uh, it's more, of the, more on the lighter side. These are more sillier characters, but they're also uh, by far the most... Uh, family tied like this is one big family the guardians of the galaxy and you get in the second you see them in contrast to the avengers who are much more broken uh after the events of civil war you really see then you get a newfound appreciation for the guardians that's at least how i felt about it like i appreciated the guardians of the galaxy much more in infinity war than i would have in let's say volume two yeah i agree i mean the russo brothers did a really great job showing these characters showing how they're so tied together family oriented you know compared to the avengers um, I think they handled all the characters really well. Um, Drax, uh, Peter Quill, and you know, especially Gamora. I mean, they really they gave her a lot of time to really flesh out her, to show the audience like how her relationship was with Thanos and where they came from. And you know, that adds a lot of weight to it. You know, especially you know when you get to that point of the Soul Stone. You know, it, it's a really heavy scene because you see that there is something more. You know, that Thanos really does care about her and. They, no matter how much she hates him, you know, he he believes their family, you know, and he really loves them. And Umar, why don't you just speak on that? Let's speak on that Soul Stone sequence, which was uh, easily, what, top two, top three sequences in this film. Why don't you get into that a little bit, what you thought of, what, how it was going on, and, and between the cinematography, between the emotions. Give us your input on, your viewpoint of that sequence. In this scene, we see uh, Gamora's death. Um, which is pretty hard to watch. Uh, and, you know, the whole uh, thing about, you know, Thanos not loving someone or not loving anyone, and when she's, like, looking at him and telling him you've lost because you've had this whole... Um, you've had this whole thing in your in your mind that, you know, will wipe half of humanity and, you know, they'll have a better life that way, the people that are alive. And... When she says to him that you've lost, that you could never love someone, and the fact that she thinks that he could just not 
have that love for her, although she was she's a, she's his um, stepdaughter, shows you that Thanos probably didn't show at all, like didn't show it as didn't show that love to her. Like her hate is still yeah, yeah. justified, but on top of that, he didn't, you know, he didn't know that he he did as as a as a daughter. She 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 thought of her as his daughter. So yeah, and, and, and I mean again, exactly emotional layer to and and exactly. I mean, and then when you see that moment where uh, Thanos starts crying and uh, and then the Red Skull tells uh, Gamora that oh he's not crying because he lost, he's crying because he's mourning. Uh, he's and bro, the that, feels. Uh, yeah, yo, I thought that was that was so powerful. I yeah, mean, just to show this villain his power, his stature, crying because he knew that he has to do something, he has to sacrifice something that he really cares about. And Samir, I mean, what were your thoughts on that sequence, man? Just seeing Thanos, those tears coming down his face, like that really exemplifies uh, the kind of arc he has in this movie, and especially in that sequence. Uh, why don't you speak on that? I mean, it goes back to what I said before about how he's not just like a one-dimensional character. You can actually see all his emotions. And even before that scene, um, in the nowhere scene when he conjures up the reality where uh, Gamora kills him, even she cries in that scene. So I feel like you can see the emotions that are there. Yeah, I mean, they're all three-dimensional characters. And Samir, I know you're telling me a funny story that... Uh, about like the Red Skull, like how was that audience reaction when the Red Skull showed up, like on screen? How was your theater experience over there at that point? I mean, you know, some 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 people went crazy. Some knew who we were. I mean, some knew who he was. Some had no idea. Or... <laughs> yeah, some people, man, like you know, it's such a long time ago, the first Avengers. Some people, some of the casual audiences, they didn't realize, you know, yeah, who he a was. A lot of people got yeah, into it after like, the first Avenger, you know, um, the first Avenger film. I mean. Yeah, so I mean. I mean, our theater, uh, when the Red Skull showed up, first, like, you know, you got this appearance that this was death or something, like a hooded, shrouded figure. Like a I ring. thought it was death, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I didn't even I, know that thing was. Yeah, most people thought that was because death is such an iconic character connected to Thanos in the comics. People assumed that was death, but then the second you heard a man's voice talking, then you're like, wait a minute, who is this guy? And then when the face reveal comes and you see Red Skull, I mean... Our theater was yeah the crowd went wild was shook yeah we were shook they're like yo so that was crazy but again like uh, some people like Omar Samir said I think one random guy next to you was like oh I don't know who's this guy remember like uh, so things like that happen you know what I'm saying? yeah so my friend so my friend next to me didn't even know who he was I have to explain the whole <laughs> yo, thing to him yeah. <laughs> yeah man it's, uh, it is what it is but that sequence I don't for the fans like the four of us uh, who really you know deep dive and we know this kind of stuff uh, we definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so obviously the four of us we were all you know just completely shook when we saw that scene but um just moving on i mean i my own thoughts on the sequence i mean we could take a minute and just look at the cinematography of that scene i mean uh with i think there's an eclipse happening at the same time and just the way that the second uh thanos threw gamora to her death he kind of like wakes up in a flash like in the water and he has the soul stone in his hand so it really shows that you know he gave up the one thing he loves because I don't think remember he the, you have the children of Thanos like Ebony Ma and all those boys who are fighting the Avengers those are the children of Thanos uh, whether it's metaphorical children or actual children uh, it's probably more, I think in this the way the MCU tried putting it it was probably metaphorical and then you have uh, Nebula who is also his stepdaughter and then you have Gamora but I think 
he has a specific relationship with Gamora that I think is different, and it really ties back to that sequence. I think uh, was it Umar or Samir? When you guys point out that sequence of uh, Thanos invading Gamora's home world and um, and then pretty much adopting Gamora right there and teaching her about balance uh, through the use of that knife, which obviously gets used a few times in the film uh, by Gamora. So I mean, these are the kind of sequences that once again put Infinity War on another level. Like, these are emotional points and emotional beats that normal MCU films don't really use, and maybe they would have put a joke in that same sequence, but they chose to make it extremely emotional, and um, the score in those moments is really good as well. So let's just keep moving forward, and uh, the next character I want to discuss is uh, Thor, because, you know, Thor is this guy that, you know, he had a good run, like, in Avengers 1, Thor 1, Thor 2. And the films were, they were received from good to maybe below average. But after Ragnarok, which really gave him a facelift as a character, he became, like, this next level. They really took seriously this God of Thunder approach to the character. And just seeing him uh, get his Stormbreaker and uh, arriving on when Wakanda... I mean, that was just such an amazing sequence. And Zion, why don't you speak on the characterization of Thor and just how he really became like a superhero uh, compared to the Avengers in this movie? Yeah, I mean, in every subsequent film since his first appearance of Thor 1, I mean, he's gotten better and better. And then Ragnarok just took him to another level. I mean, he has so much more confidence. He seems like such a more a more cooler character, you know, now. And uh, and you can see that he's, he's, he's well aware of his powers, his strength especially after Ragnarok, where he really assumed his role as the God of Thunder. And uh, you can see that in the film, you know. I mean, he is, he is just ready. And especially after the death of Loki, Heimdall, he has a different level of motivation, and that really showed well in his character. I mean, Umar, you were just mentioning to me before about uh, in a private conversation about, like, that scene where Rocket uh, was talking to Thor about, you know, like, everything you've lost. And uh, why don't you speak on that just, like, how how this character of Thor, like he's been through a lot. Like when you when you really put it into context when Rocket was asking him, like, do you have any family? And he was like, uh, every single person he named was pretty much dead or yeah, gone. I, mean, so. I remember watching watching that scene in the theater and being like, dude, are they gonna kill him? Because if you think about it, he has he's lost everything. Like there's not the only thing he has left is probably the Avengers. And I think in the next movie we're probably gonna see uh, and obviously, they're gonna have to come together to really, you know, to 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 fight this insane villain. Um, but you really see that he's lost everything. Yeah, um, exactly. And then, he's and a then, very broken character. And you know, it doesn't. What's amazing is, and and Ragnarok kind of did this. And this is why I appreciate that movie a little bit more now. Is even after all that, he's still he's still sane. Like he is still. He's still Thor. He is still, yeah. you know, the god of thunder. And this, obviously, that scene where he, when he comes to Wakanda and just starts absolutely destroying everyone. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, was, that, was, that was one of the best scenes of the whole movie. Yeah, so. yeah, that was not sick. The way he came down with the Stormbreaker and destroyed everyone, and the score for that scene was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, just the way the Avengers score kicked in, like that was like the main Avengers theme came in with him, Rocket, and Groot came down and he's like bring me Thanos and just starts running and you can see like it galvanizes everyone like 
Because you can see at that point, Captain America, Black Panther, they're all fighting. They're all uh, taking hits. But the second Thor comes down, the whole pace of the battle changes because you just got one of the most powerful people. Actually, he might be the most powerful Avengers than Hulk. And we'll get into a little bit. The Hulk was like a bit of, bit of a no-show. So now you have Thor come down. He has the most powerful weapon uh, that he could possibly get. He has the King's weapon. And he, like with the Stormbreaker, and he just takes everybody out. And his only goal is to kill Thanos. So I think that was one of the best sequences. And, you know, let's move forward and get into uh, the battle on Titan. And let's talk about the characters who are on Titan. Uh, specifically, we have Iron Man, uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. Uh, the Guardians. The Guardians. So uh, this battle, I mean, this was a really good battle and a really emotional battle. Uh, but let's just speak on how these characters are interacting. First of all, uh, Doctor Strange, who's also one of the most powerful Avengers, he really showed out yeah, this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, just seeing him, uh, you could tell he's very serious as well. Like, he knows what's at stake. So every time he sees Thanos, he just ha is always ready to go after him. And this is a guy, like, who's seen, like, oh, Umar, you can speak on that. Like, you know, he saw all 14 million futures, right? Yeah, I mean, he knew that things had to go a certain way for them. Because there's only one possibility when they win. There's only one um, future where they win, uh, quote unquote win, and we're probably gonna figure that out probably in the next one. But that was, you know, and it all had to go a certain way. So he knew that he was playing chess, basically. That's how it felt. Yeah. You know? That's He's... all. That's what. That's what it was. As far as him actually, like in combat, dude, when he clones himself like a million times yo that was that massive was sick. yeah <laughs> holy crap that was crazy and even even the other ones the, the other guys were doing crazy but when he cloned himself i that's the one scene that's the one kind of few seconds that really stood out yeah to i me. mean that's like that's straight strange. out of the comics yeah that yeah was that was insane. straight out of the comics yeah that was really good i mean just seeing dr strange get more and more powerful uh every movie i think the russos handled him really well uh in this film particularly like you see his wisdom you see that he is like you know like he calls himself he's you know he's he's a sorcerer supreme right so like yeah, supreme, so I mean, the master of the mystic arts he 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 is his he's up there with Thor as one of the best most strongest Avengers and that really speaks on how powerful he is. But let's move forward and talk about like the rest of the characters. I mean, you see Spider Man uh, finally get his Iron Spider suit. And Spider Man's one of my favorite characters. Uh, I loved how he got the how he finally got the Iron Spider the arms out of the back of his suit. And the crowd went crazy when that happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the things with Spider-Man. I mean, he's always been a fan-favorite character. I know he's Samir's favorite superhero. So it's really cool to see uh, his growth and his growth come from, uh, you know, Civil War. This guy. This guy. Uh, is, who's your favorite superhero, Samir? Am I... Am I uh... One of... Why do you say does? <laughs> He's a dumpers. That's the only reason he made for I don't know. Alright. So um so just you know, just keep moving moving forward. Uh you know, then we move forward to this the Titan battle sequence and you see all the Avengers trying to take off the gauntlet. They have this plan to take the gauntlet out. And this is when you get probably uh one of the more emotional sequences where actually there's a series of emotional sequences, but the first one being that Thanos uh with Mantis on him and trying to take out, trying to put him to sleep, which is obviously impossible to do with someone as powerful as Thanos. But his emotions come back the second they talk about Gamora and Peter is asking him like, where's Gamora? And uh, Thanos is like saying, you know, he starts again mourning 
and grieving for uh, Gamora. And that's when Peter obviously loses his loses cool. And no matter how much Iron Man is pressuring him to uh, to relax, he takes a few shots at Thanos, which obviously kills the entire plan. But that leads to this one-on-one. Well, even, yeah. even before that, I mean, Thanos comes down after he has killed Gamora. And you can just tell that he's different. You know, something's changed. You know, either it's like, I don't know if it's the soul stone and all the wisdom that he has and all the knowledge that he has, but he seems different, much more calm, much more like not as reckless as, I don't know if reckless is the right word, but reckless as he was in the beginning of the film, you know, like just violent and taking what he wants. He came down with a different level of, a different mindset. I mean, so the next sequence just falling right after that is this incredible Tony Stark versus Thanos fight sequence. And I think I'm speaking for everyone. Yeah, exactly. That was, I mean, that was crazy. So, and Umar, why don't you speak on that fight scene between the, what we call him the godfather of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man. This all started with him and now he's one-on-one with the greatest villain in the universe. Speak on it. Man, from that that fight was probably like our crowd like when that fight started you could just see the anxiety because there's such a big thing about tony stark you know dying his death and the way they shot that was amazing i mean it starts it starts with thanos telling tony that telling him like saying stark and tony's like what he knows me that was crazy yeah and then slowly slowly you see his mask come off yeah, but like the nano the way fighting, you know, Thanos is slowly taking that mask off. It's not like he's trying to kill him right away. He's trying to take him off. He's trying to unmask him first. So you see that happen, and as that's happening, the anxiety just keeps building, right? Yeah, I mean, when he stabs him, dude. Yo, that <laughs> I mean, was everybody yeah. was like holding their breath. Yo, the theater went dead silent. Uh, when that happened, like that stab, because even the score. I mean, I think the score completely went yeah, silent too. Everything went silent because the yeah, everything mu- just went silent. Yeah, the music stopped, the crowd stopped. There's no cheering. There's people are holding their breaths. Like, wait a minute, did Tony just get stabbed? And Samir, how shook were you? That was magic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Shroth has a funny story. Yeah, and I do. Yeah. So at the press screening uh, on Monday, I sat a uh, one seat removed from Kevin Smith of all people. And basically, when that happened, that same sequence, and, and, and we all know Kevin Smith, he's a very animated guy. And of course, you know, we're all uh, praying for him, making yeah, yeah. sure he's recovering uh, yeah, smoothly after after his uh, heart attack. But uh, he was feeling, you know, he was feeling good at the press screening. And basically, when that happened, he like screamed like, no, he screamed like on when that happened because he thought that that was it. And like Umar said, there's perception that, oh, either Cap or Tony, one of them are going to die. There's this perception going into the I film. I thought that was it. I that when when you see that happen and he, you know, and he's just like you yeah. see him in shock, right? Yeah, Tony you, obviously getting stabbed. He's in shock, and everyone in the theater was yeah, just, I mean, just the weight. You could just tell. Yeah. you could just tell. Just the weight that of the silence. Bad just happened. Yeah, yeah. Just the weight of the silence itself. I mean, you think that you know is this it for Tony? You know, and then you go back to the brilliant directing of the Russo brothers because they let the scene breathe. Like it's not like oh he stabs and that. Things start moving forward. There's like a good minute where it's like he starts putting Tony down, and Tony's like blood's coming out of his mouth, and he just everyone's in shock. And then uh, Thanos picks, pats his head, like he picks up his head and says, "When I'm done, half of humanity will cease to exist, but I hope they remember you." So it's like 
he he's basically giving that a, and that's an amazing speech. I mean, I just got goosebumps even saying it again. I mean, that's an amazing speech, and everyone thought that's it. He's gonna kill Tony and kill like the main character of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's when you move forward and you see that uh, Doctor Strange uh, does the next big shocker move. I mean, Doctor Strange looked into the future, like 14 million possibilities, and they only won one, so, you know, you gotta assume that it's it's all part of his plan. And then he said, you know, now we're entering the endgame, which is a rumor to be the next title of the, the fourth Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, I mean, it just, it's it's insane. I mean, uh, and even... It, it, it speaks to his character, too, because, like, just a scene before they got on Titan, he told Tony that, you know, if I have to choose between saving you, the kid, Spider-Man, or the Time Stone, I won't hesitate to let you guys die, you know? And the fact that after, was it because he saw the futures and knew that the only way of winning or the best outcome was Tony's survival? Or maybe it was just his character that, you know, he'll give it up to save Tony for some other reason we don't know, but, you know... Yeah, that's pretty big. I do think that you know, given the events, of the end of the film, and as where we're gonna speak on that very soon, uh, Doctor Strange just he he knew that he's gonna get erased, and which he does in the end of the film, and knowing that the, one of the few people who are gonna survive are Tony Star is Tony Stark. Uh, he knew he has to live, so he said, "Let him go, and I'll give you the Time Stone." And like Samir said, one of the rumored titles is Avengers Endgame. To be the final movie and of course that is unconfirmed but we'll find out probably within the next month or so when they announce that title just but, to address one thing that the fans have uh kind of been talking about you know tony's death and expecting you know these these guys to die like in my personal opinion and i think we'll get into this later on in the podcast but i just want to mention it here like he's such a charismatic he's such a charismatic character that you know, a lot of us, a lot of the fans that, you know, have grown up with these characters, we I don't think you want to see them die. It's just something you don't want to see. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which makes it all the more, you know, it gives, it makes it even crazier when, you know, stuff like that happens. So, I don't think there, there should be this, we, don't, we shouldn't feel the need that the ending of the storyline should be death. Even if these, you know, the, the actors are moving on, I think you could very well end it with them like retiring after they win or whatever yeah and then you can have them always show up in cameos you know these actors don't need contracts to show up in a cameo here and there in the future movies so yeah i don't yeah, think you know, any we'll, of the fans should be expecting we'll see how they handle it yeah yeah i mean I, I agree with you there i think these characters have become so iconic and these actors have become so attached to these characters i mean i'm mean, like let's say let's take robert downey jr or even chris evans and their relationship with iron man and Captain and Steve Rogers, it's so intrinsically tied together that uh, it's one of those things that you can't even imagine someone else playing the character because virtually, like this is for Iron Man, only one person's ever played him, you know? And uh, and the same thing goes with people like Chris Hemsworth and Thor. Like, these are characters who are so tied to their actors that you want, you don't necessarily want any of them to die, but we'll see where the characters take them. And uh, speaking of death, this film is full of it, right? So let's go into uh, that end sequence and let's go on the Battle of Wakanda and uh, just just one side uh, caveat. Uh, 
just seeing the characters of Black Panther, I just want to call it out again. I mean, was it was amazing. great to I see. Mean, when that Black Panther music started, like, yeah, blasting. Yeah, that, that was, was great. Insane. And just seeing, you know, all the familiar faces. You see T'Challa, you see Okoye, you see Umbaku, you see Shuri. And you see the rest of, obviously, the Jabari tribe. You see the border uh, the border or tribe, yeah. border tribe. You see all these familiar things. And it speaks to how iconic Black Panther has become in just one movie. I mean, that whole world is just so fun to see. So uh, I, that's, that's a small thing I just want to throw in there. Uh, seeing Black Panther and Cap running together. Oh, yeah. That, that sequence. So yeah, that was, I was insane. Well, just, exactly. Just seeing them fight together. And these are characters we're meeting for the first time. Not for the first time, but they're, well, they're fighting together. Yeah, well, yeah. They, they fought in Civil War together. But seeing them like just in this end-of-the-world scenario uh, was such, so special to see. So now, you know, we Thanos arrives on Earth. And you can tell it really is the end game, like Dr. Strange said. Because... Just from he, the music. The music changes. He has uh, five out of the six. six Infinity Stones on his gauntlet. And he's just walking. He's like phasing Thor, uh, the uh, Hulkbuster out of the way. He gets rid of everybody. He has he punches Captain America into the ground. Like nobody can mess with Thanos at this point. And then obviously you have that emotional sequence uh, with Vision and, and Wanda. And you see how... Uh, that whole situation is going the way at the beast. Half the little subplot of the film was that should Vision sacrifice himself for the greater good of not letting Thanos get all Infinity Stones, and obviously, uh, in the end, they did take that route. So it's um, kind of obvious that he would use the Time Stone to fix the Mind Stone, and you know, and basically tear tear Vision's head out to get the stone. I mean, that's one of those powerful sequences, and you see like you the the way the the the, the Speak the on color it. of his cape and his, his arm just yeah came. and and the way the shot was structured like you could see just his feet and his cape and you see the the complete struggling just stop like that was a very was, brutal death beautifully shown the way his life was literally being sucked out of yeah it was it was a brutal death I think and basically you know uh, <laughs> visions on those characters died two times in the span of one minute like first he died through Scarlet Witch removing the stone which was more of a emotional death because he's uh, telling basically the woman he loves that it's okay, she can kill him. And the second death is just straight up brutal with Thanos ripping the stone out of his head and the life being just completely shut down from his body. They took time with it too, right? Like yeah, they, yeah. They took a lot of time. I remember... They slowed the scene like, down, yeah. They slowed it down. You could see Vision saying, sorry, sorry. I think he said like four times. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's saying it's okay also. Yeah. Emotional background. Yeah, they did a great job with that. And, and then obviously when the final stone... Uh, gets put into his gauntlet. I mean, it's over at this point. Like no one can touch him now. And you see, yeah. uh, Thor comes flying in. Yeah. So Thor comes out of nowhere. He has the Stormbreaker. This is the this is the weapon that he said is the Thanos killing kind of weapon. Uh, that he made in Nidavellir with. He came and he's gonna kill Thanos with it. And then you get this like, like show stopping sequence where he stabs. Thanos and he looks him straight in the chest. Yeah, and he looks him straight in the eye and he says, I told you I was gonna kill you. And then for a second, like you don't know what's gonna happen. I think Zion speak on it. You thought that maybe the movie's getting there, yeah, right? For a second, I was like, you know, is Marvel gonna take the safe route? You know, after such an emotional ride of a movie it's been, you know, I was thinking, oh, is this it? Like, is this how it's gonna end? But man, they like Thanos like, oh, when he when he said you should have went for the head, I'm telling you, there's chills throughout the theater. I mean, everybody was like no, because no one, there's so much, like I think Omar said, it, it's like anxiety in the theater. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. 
And it's it crazy. I mean, everyone was silent. Then when he snapped his fingers, I mean, nobody knew what was happening at the time. And then Samir, I think this was I think this was your single favorite sequence in the film, right? After he snaps his fingers, what happens? We saw Gamora as a kid. That what what people think is like inside Soul Stone. I guess that yeah. what people are saying. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, tell me like when he what how that was like you're. It was pretty shook, right? Like that scene where he's sitting and he sees Gamora and then Gamora talks to him. He asked him, you know, what is it done? He's like, yeah. Hey, what did it cost? And he said, everything. You can yeah. just, you can feel the emotions. Yeah, and you can see the sadness on Thanos' face. I mean, this is not like uh, your generic villain that he starts laughing like, haha, I want yeah, you. Know, he's not having fun doing Yeah, he's not having fun and he knows what he just did. And then you just flash back to... The real, the real world, obviously, and you see the entire gauntlet. Yeah, is, and the Thor is like, "What did you do?" Yeah, yeah. and in the, again, I think there's no score at this point. There's no music, if I don't, if I remember correctly. And he's just, "What did you do?" And just you as much as here, you could just hear wind, actually. Yeah, and just like yeah, and just like Thor, exactly, just like how Thor is saying, "What did you do?" That's everybody in the audience because no one knows what really happened. Everyone was really confused, and you see Thanos like the entire gauntlet is destroyed, basically. From doing that, and then he's retreats uh, using the uh, the, was the space space stone. the space stone. He re he retreats then uh, to wherever he has to go, and then you s then is when probably the most emotional sequence in not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in comic book movies in general. This is easy one of the top two, top three emotional moments. You see one by one uh, characters start Fading dying. Away, yeah. yeah, they start literally dying, and you see. Uh, who was the first one? Was it the Winter Soldier? Yeah, I think Bucky was the first one to go. Yeah, the Winter Soldier was the first, I think. Yeah, and then uh, after that, just one by one, I mean, you get Black Panther telling Okoye that, oh, this is no place for a warrior to die, just as he himself uh, starts dying, you know? And slowly, people are being taken away. I think the well, Falcon and who else? Who else died? The Guardians, except for Rocket. Yeah. Well, who else on group, group, yeah. So um, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these characters uh, start dying. And now let's move into Back to Titan. And now you see what the effect of what Thanos did is on Titan. And you see all these heroes sitting there. And then one by one, uh, this is when it gets really emotional. You see the Guardians start fading away. I think Mantis and Drax die first. Then Peter Quill, Star-Lord, he dies. And then you see... Uh, you see this almost, the, I think this is the Russo's intention, you see this through the perspective of Tony. So Tony is reacting to everything. Like, it's like the way Tony is looking is the way the camera is going as well. So Tony looks at Quill and says, oh, you're good, man, you're good. And then Tony fades, uh, Peter fades away. And now you get to... Uh, and Dr. Strange is like, oh, it, it had to be like this. Yeah. Like and, it had and, to be this way. And now we get to this moment, which uh, we'll go back to Samir for it. Uh, dude, when... Uh, Peter Parker, when Spider-Man finally was starting to fade away, just tell me how the emotions were at that point. How it feels? Well, that for me was probably the second saddest part. I'm gonna have to give the Soul Stone part the saddest, but this is probably the second saddest part of the whole movie for me. Yeah, I mean, as you said before, I mean, even me, even me as a fan, I was looking at it through Tony Stark's lens because they've set up a lot of his stuff in the older movies, even Spider-Man's death. In Homecoming, there's a there's a very, like, when he's talking to him, when that movie got serious for one second, and he says to him that everyone thought I was crazy for recruiting a 14-year-old kid, you could tell that 
always in Tony in the back of his mind, he always had that 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 feeling that when things go if things go wrong, it's all on me. It's all on me because I started all this. So you get to see it in that lens. And when Peter's like, I don't feel so good. And then he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he's in Tony's arms. Yeah. That's a yeah, emotional I mean, sequence. That, that, that's when the nightmare, Tony's nightmare from, I think it was Age of Ultron. Yeah. That's when it's basically peak. That's when it's like at its highs. Because now he knows that. Like even with all the, you know, the chess, the chess match between Doctor Strange and Thanos, like even with all that happening, that emotion, just the sheer emotion of it, and where Tony's like, this is it. The nightmare is now complete. Yeah. With and Peter just fading yeah, away in I his mean, arms. That, was, that just, was that was just so emotional. And Peter's like, I mean, Tony is like this father to Peter, and Peter's like hugging him and saying, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And it also plays to, I forgot which movie it was, but there was a scene where Tony was talking to Nick Fury, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw them dead. I felt it. You know, and it was because of me. Age of Ultron, yeah. Yeah, Age of Ultron. He said, oh, I watched my friends die, but that wasn't the worst part. And, and Nick Fury was like, oh, the worst part is that you didn't. And this is exactly what happened. I mean, everybody around him was dying. Everybody cared about. And he himself lived. He, he lived and he feels responsible for it. And that's his biggest nightmare. Now it's come true. Yeah, I mean, and again, just speaking on the theater reaction, I mean, having it, I mean, I think this movie is one of those films that gets so much better when you see it with the crowd because the crowd's reaction, it's like moving with the film. And I uh, swear to God, people were weeping in our theater. Like, yeah, you could I mean, hear, that tone you could hear people weeping. Yeah. Park, yeah. You hear people crying in our theater after, while Tony was dying and not Tony, oh, Peter, Peter. Peter Parker was dying. And I mean, Peter Parker is a character that so many people are connected to, they relate to. I mean, uh, like Samir said, I mean, he he relates to him, and we all relate to him. I mean, <laughs> he's a Queens kid, and me and Zion, we live in Queens. So, I mean, there's so many things that we connect to Peter Parker, and seeing this, I mean, he's a child. I mean, he's a person who doesn't deserve to be, he shouldn't be subjected to be in this war to save the universe, but there he is, and he's the one who gets faded away, and you can tell, like, he, you see he's a kid. When he's dying, he's just a kid. He's the kid who's scared to die. And, and let's talk about Tom Holland's performance. Oh, yeah. In Tom Holland, scene. yeah. He was, killed it. Yeah, he yeah, killed it. The, the, the acting job in that scene, and just throughout the movie, but specifically in that scene, was so, so good. It is, it, it's exactly as you said. It's like a child who is who is dying and, you know, death is something, you know, in the even, even in the real world, whether it's real or fake or whatever, is something that, you know, a, kid, a child is afraid of everyone's afraid of it but like you know the way he showed that was really really awesome yeah. Tom Holland did such a good job but also um Rob Downey Jr. as Iron Man he was great also yeah I mean he, he just pretty much killed it I mean you know he's been improving almost every film like he just plays it yeah. 10 times better and he's been like in Infinity where he probably gave one of his most emotional performances I agree with you Samir uh so, you know, like, uh, let's move forward in the film and let's go to the ending sequence. And this is just as powerful as any sequence in the film. And this is the sequence of Thanos finally resting. And Thanos said this uh, to Doctor Strange. Uh, he said, Doctor Strange asked him, what are you going to do after you destroy half of humanity? He said, then I'll finally take his my rest and look upon a grateful universe. So, and that's a powerful thing. And I think we said this in the beginning of our podcast that... This is a villain who won. This is very few villains win. And I think Heath Leather's Joker probably won. Yeah, he, he won. He won in deconstructing the Batman, forcing him to break his one rule. So that's that's what I call a winning 
performance. And now Thanos also won because he accomplished his goal. He wanted to destroy half of humanity. He wanted to get all the Infinity Stones. But, you know, he didn't want the Infinity Stones just for power. He didn't want it for revenge. He just wanted to, in his world, in his mindset, he wanted to save save the universe. And he thought saving the universe means destroying half of it. Which is, you know, kind of like uh, Ozymandias from, uh, from Watchmen. This idea that, you know, kill millions to save billions. Uh, yeah, it's very similar. That's a concept that, you know, and that's a, that's a concept that even Zod uses in a lesser scale that, yes, all of all the humans will die, but that cost means nothing to him if it means Krypton can survive and he can build his whole civilization again. So these are the kind of things that really matter and make villain performances good. So you take this ending, ending uh, sequence of Thanos looking at the sunrise uh in a very like uh shire like setting you know it reminding me of the shire for some reason i don't know why but he just comes down he looks into this into sunrise and, and i think there's no infinity stones or gauntlet yeah inside, he was not you know? wearing any gauntlet on his hand no infinity stones he's just looking at the sunrise and he has like this emotion again like, brilliant performance by josh brolin but he has this emotion on his face where he's just looking and he gives one slight smile and then the screen cuts to black I mean, that's how you end the movie. You write that, things is a, that is a pretty heavy ending. I mean, it was just that last sequence was really beautiful. It was like, he didn't have to say anything. You see him walking up to, in like this really nice setting, just walking up and like sitting down and looking out into the distance, thinking that, you know, like he's done, like after he sacrificed so much, but he's finally accomplished what he was trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then you, you know, as the credits roll, you can just feel it in the crowd. You know, usually at the credits roll, the crowd starts cheering. No one was saying doing anything. People were just quiet and just looking at the screen, looking at a black screen as the credits rolled, thinking, "What the hell did we just see?" I think that was a general consensus from not just uh, us, but but everybody. And that's that. That's just how shows how powerful this film really is. You know, and you know, moving forward, you get to the. Uh, there's only one post credit. Yeah, again, only one post credit scene in this film, and Samir, speak I on it, man. I thought it was going to be Cap and Tony just meeting for first. That's what uh, I thought it was. Gonna I think that's saying something that for the next movie. But Samir, yeah. what did you think about that post credit sequence? Yeah, I, mean, I liked how Fury called uh, Captain Marvel before he faded away. Also, but um, I mean, some people didn't know who Captain Marvel was. They didn't know whose logo came up on the screen over again. But uh, you know, some people, some people thought it was Wonder Woman. Yeah, <laughs> some people are mad dumb, you know. So, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, but it's so cool, you know, seeing that he takes out. This, he's like, this is it. It's like an extinction level event. So he takes out this beeper from the nineties, and you're like, right there. If you know Captain Marvel, you're like, we know who he's called, you know, like because you know the film is going to take place in the nineties. So, and then you see the logo pop up, and like, yeah, and this you is know, the hero that's going to save him. Exactly. But you have to end it on a heroic note, I guess, because the ending was so. Um, Dark. Dark, yeah. That you have to end it on a note that it's not over. Like, hope will be... How, if you think the Avengers can't stop Thanos now, how the hell are they going to stop him after half of humanity is gone? You need someone very powerful to help. And this is where I kind of compare it to, let's say, uh, Batman v Superman, which had a very dark ending, but the final sequence of that film was the dirt rising to show that hope is not lost. And this is very similar to that because you think hope is lost, Nick Fury is about to fade away, and he drops the beeper, which is calling Captain Marvel, who, you know, for the audience, like Samir said, some people aren't familiar with Captain Marvel. 
uh, in the crowd that weren't familiar, and we're going to assume some people in the podcast might not be familiar. Uh, Captain Marvel is... She's, she's arguably the strongest. Yeah, she is the, she is the Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe, but she has Superman-level power. Like, she's a cosmic hero, you know, and she can... Uh, she's when she comes on the scene, things can happen, you know. And so calling her is like a sign that wait a minute, there's still hope. And when she comes, she can cause damage, you know. She can probably take on Thanos with the help of Thor and some of the other survivors. So I think that'll be really good. And let's just end it on speaking on Avengers Four and what are some of our expectations of what we want from that film. I, I think this is gonna be a surprise to some people, but like I, 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 I want to see a lot more Captain America. You know, and, yeah. and don't get me wrong, the scenes that he was in, I absolutely loved them. I think when he showed up the first time, and Samir, like, I don't know if you remember this, but like, the only time where people actually clapped, there's only like, they only clapped once in the whole the whole time we were there. Right. And that was when Captain America showed up. Yeah. When Captain America showed up, and just the score, the music started playing, that was the one time and by the way, we're sitting in Canada. People were clapping. That was the first and only, I think it was the only time where people actually started clapping. Yeah, I think, I think that, maybe the second time, we heard a few claps when they showed Wakanda. Yeah, and when um, Thor came down also, I think for our theater, we were very happy about that. When Thor came down with, and the Avengers music popped up, I know our room went crazy in that sequence as well. Yeah, about we, you guys. Had a few, we had a few people that started to clap, but because no one else kind of jumped in, they just stopped. As far as, the, uh, as far as like the next movie, to be honest, after all the destruction and all the killing that went on, I just want to see Thanos get whooped. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that, yeah. I just want to see him actually get like absolutely destroyed. And I hope, and I hope Tony get. I hope Tony does some of that. And I hope, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that's not too familiar with Captain Marvel, but I'm, I'm sure she's gonna, you know, jump in. I just want to see him get destroyed. Yeah, I think. Uh... Uh, it's worth pointing out things down. You can point speak on like the, the original OG Avengers. They're the ones who live, so I think yeah. they're going to be important for them to come together. I mean, yeah, it, like they haven't met yet. Right. It's not. It's not some kind of like. It's no surprise that these the people who live are the original Avengers. You got Iron Man, Tony. I mean, uh, uh, Captain America, Tony, Thor, Black Widow, Hulk. You know, Hulk. So obviously, they're going to be a very integral part of the next film. And you know, they haven't. The main Avengers haven't met each other. Since Avengers 2, you know, and, and Age of Ultron. And end of Age of Ultron when uh, Thor told Captain America and Iron Man, that, oh, yeah, I'm going to miss these little talks of ours. They never had a scene together. I know Captain America met Thor on the battlefield, but the complete Marvel trinity of Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, they didn't meet each other. So they're going to, hopefully in the fourth, in Avengers 4, they're going to meet each other. And then, you know, uh, I think all four of us are in consensus that the Hulk was kind of a waste in this film. Like, they chose not to use him and the, some of the sequences in the trailer where they showed Hulk on the battlefield uh, might have been throwaways or they've been reshot so they took the Hulk out of this film but that 100% means he's going to have a big role in the next one because, so because I think uh, I don't know I don't know why they didn't keep Thor and uh, yeah, Hulk in this film yeah that was a, one of the few mistakes I think in the movie I, I, I think they, I think they did it on purpose I think they did it on purpose because the movie was just talking about it I mean there's even there's a lot of stuff that we haven't even touched, right? And we pretty yeah. much went through from start to finish. But I think the Hulk would have been overkill because you, there's already so much happening. Um, and I think it's going to be more sweet seeing him in the next one because he wasn't in this one. Yeah, I mean, Just he was in the beginning, back. but he got his he got his ass whooped by... Thanos in the yeah, first minute. Yeah, for a few seconds. And, and I think that was just to show that Thanos ain't, Thanos ain't playing around. Yeah. But I think in the next one, 
you'll see him, and when he does come, it'll be it'll be so it'll be crazy. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm really looking forward to Iron Man, Captain America finally meet. I know they didn't meet in this movie. They haven't met since the fallout of Civil War. I, I can't wait to see how Captain Marvel plays the role with the Avengers. Oh, same man, and you know, uh, you know, I think that's pretty much it. We covered one of the best films, uh, best comic book movies ever, and I think uh, this is a good time for all of us to give our scores out. So, I mean, I, you, if you guys read my review, you'll see know that I gave the film a four point five out of five. So, I really loved it. I think the only small gripes was that the few moments with the CGI was not perfect. I agree. Yeah, but uh, outside of that, and maybe the Hulk wasn't used well. I really loved everything. Actually. You know, originally when I first saw the movie, I wasn't 100% keen on the score. But actually, over the last few days, I've been listening to pieces of the score on my phone. And I think it actually is much better than I think I originally gave it credit for. So I think uh, that also was, which was originally a gripe, but no longer a gripe for me, was the score of Infinity War. I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, I would also give it a 4.5. Besides a few moments where the CGI was a little weak, um... Overall, everything was like top notch, and I would. This is like, it's probably my second favorite MCU film of all time. Yeah, and yeah, I think for me, the more I think about it, it could be my number one. I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between Black Panther and, and Infinity War. But uh, five out of five. Uh, the CG. I need to. I need to be honest. I do need to. I do need to rewatch it. If I was to nitpick, it would be the score. But after what you just said, I'm probably gonna. You know, if I was to really nitpick, I would go four point nine. Because the score, I didn't feel that good. At times, the score was not really that. I think, same. particularly in the beginning, I think the more the movie yeah, went I think on, the, the score... first act that really where the score was just. And I think it, it goes with the movie too. Now that I think about it, I, need, I do need to watch it again because it was a lot, lot of stuff taken. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's a five. I, I think yeah. it was the most perfect, uh, you know, perfect probably. And it is, it is number one on my list of, for, for Marvel movies. And on my top ten, it's it's tough. It's in my top five. So nice. I would have to agree with Omar there. I mean, the CGI, I get what you're saying with CGI, but as good as the story was, I didn't really mind CGI. So I guess I would give it a five. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking on that, I mean, the CGI, I mean, I know we, we went on CGI, but actually it's only, I think, in a few sequences here and there because, let's be honest, the CGI on Thanos was, Thanos was amazing. 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 Yeah, I mean... He looked very lifelike. Only a few times the big battle sequences, the CGI wavered. But overall, I think CGI was really good, especially when you compare it to some other films. So I think uh, they did a really good job. And uh, I think, uh, last question, I'm going to end Who's everyone's MVP of the film? My MVP was Thanos. What about you, Zan? Mine would be... I, I think we, we go to Thanos too. Yeah, Thanos think, that I good. That <laughs> I mean, if, if you're talking specifically from the heroes, I would say Tony is my favorite, but... Overall, Thanos was my favorite character in this film. Uh, who's your MVP, Umar? Tony. Tony's my MVP, even if you have Thanos in the picture. I just think RDJ killed it. This, it is what it is. And <laughs> Thanos is, you know, he did his thing. But Tony, you know, he's been saying this up for, for a very long time. So Tony, Tony's my MVP. Uh, it's Mir. Who's your MVP of the movie? I'm going to have to go with uh, either Thanos or Thor. Yeah, Thor was pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, my hero's MVP was Thor, but my movie MVP was Thanos because, you know, I think he has the most complete arc in this movie from top to bottom. It's him getting the stones and him having such a powerful, uh, an emotional sacrifice and giving, killing his own daughter. And then obviously, uh, uh, yeah, like I think with Umar, he deserves whatever's coming to him in Avengers 4, he deserves it, you know? And that's what I can't wait about it. And, you know, Avengers 4 is coming out uh, in May of 2019. 
Uh, hopefully we'll hear about uh, a title in the next few months. Uh, and, you know, this movie, I'm speaking for everybody, it was just amazing, man. And I can't wait to keep discussing it. And uh, it'll always be in our mindset in the top, for me, easily also top 10. Uh, it's probably my top 8, top 7 right now. And I think on more rewatches, it could even move up. I mean, this was a really good film. But, you know, that's it, guys. I think... Uh, <laughs> This is a pretty good podcast. We had a good time discussing this film, and I think we all just loved it so much. Yeah, and it was uh, just amazing. Yeah, this was our second time, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, for those who've been keeping track, we did actually record a two-hour podcast, really jumping deep diving into uh, Infinity War. Obviously, it was going to be shaved down, but uh, in the end, uh, technical glitch happened, and uh, nothing was recording. So, uh, hopefully, this time things are going to be working out well, and we're going to get this out to you guys. Uh, hopefully soon, and it'll be on YouTube. You can subscribe to us, Comic Book Debate, on YouTube. We are on iTunes, Comic Book Debate. Of course, our website, comicbookdebate.com. You'll see the latest articles. Will be uh, there'll be a lot of Infinity War articles coming out. You can see my review. You can see uh, editorials on it uh, already on the site. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Debate, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're basically everywhere now. We're going to keep growing and keep getting better. And uh, you know, hope you guys look forward to the next podcast. We'll have some interesting things on the way. So uh, with that being said, I hope you guys, uh, thank you guys for joining. And uh, from myself, from Zayan, from Umar, and from Samir, uh, I'll see you guys next time. Peace out.